Hello, this is Teachings in the Air with Sahil Thit. Coming to you with a new set of podcasts for this year called 2024. So uh, the theme this year is inner peace. You know, I come to this by uh, meditation. In December, I was end of December. It's been my habit to reflect on my the year of 2023. And I'd given up doing resolutions, but would come up with what am I going to do differently or what am I going to do 2024. So as I was meditating on that, I thought, well, I'll look at my whole life. You know, I'll just think about it. And, um, and thought about my trials and tribulations in life and where I am today. And as I was thinking of myself as a worker bee for the people, I said, um, Sahil said, what got you to be um, an effective worker? You know, someone that works with people and has a job. So I thought about that, and and the answer came to me is that I achieved inner peace. While I'm working, that I have inner peace. And I thought of that, and I said, that's right. Then, of course, then go into, you know, how this happened. But I said, I'm going to bring into 2024 inner peace. That's the mission for this year's podcasts of teachings in the air. To look at inner peace to look for role models that live that way of life, that have inner peace. And the reason why I feel inner peace came to me because I thought of, you know, being angry, being depressed, being fearful, and that's a victim way of thinking that it sort of consumed my life to be angry, to be depressed, to be afraid. I was a victim. You know, the victim actually is referring to a sacrificial animal, that they would sacrifice, and that's a victim. You know, when we go through trauma now, they say we're victims. You know, and um, victims are often very angry, very depressed, or afraid. And I was all of those. So I want um, inner peace. It's a natural human urge to feel happiness, to feel contentment. And as I was reflecting, as I thought about, you know, I was born in 1949 and um, raised in this household that lived to principles about us working together, about fairness and inclusivity yet no one was above the other, that we're all to put in to share the work, to share the food, to share good times, to be with each other. 
And I thought about that from the age, you know, to six, five years old, six. I knew inner peace. I lived it. Laugh, play, cry, you know, get angry, all of those things. And not, and feel comfortable in my own skin living that life. That uh, it was a good life. You know, working together, feeding the chickens, you know, cutting wood, packing wood, you know, helping the household. It was a good way. It was a good way of life. So that's how, that's how I was until five years old or just closer to six, I guess. You know, I started um February baby, so... You know, but when I went to school, that's where I, I call it um, inner peace thieves. There was thieves in the education system. So unfortunate because the thieves were adults. And I lost my inner peace in school when I was punished by being slapped around the head for making mistakes in arithmetic. And I remember that, I guess it's a shock because I didn't see it coming, but all of a sudden there's a slap on the side of my head. Then the other side, so you know, slapping my, around my ears and my head, sides of my head. Like a thump, thump, you know, and I just, oh my gosh, what is this? I didn't say that, but you know, it's just, I started weeping. I hadn't been punished like that. You know, I grew up, like I was saying, in that household where my father and mother, late father and mother, followed the way. You teach, you don't scold. They never screamed at us, swore at us, hollered at us struck us with a slap or a fist or a kick. They were, they were, you know, I, I learned this. They used a chocolate stick, you know, and uh, my, I, I was going to, my brother and I were fighting, you know, siblings, they fight, they argue, they tumble around and stuff. This time I picked up a two-by-four and I was in a club, my brother and I had, I swung and he missed. Thank goodness. Then my father seen, my late father, Jerry. Oh, and he calls me. He's come and get over here. And he says, you get a chalkum stick off of that bush there. Saskatoon bush. So I got a switch. Come here. And I go there and he takes it. And he starts switching my legs, you know, like. And it wasn't bruising me or cutting me. But a sting. And I know it's punishment, so I started crying, you know, and I'm crying louder to want him to stop, you know. As he's switching me, he starts talking to me. And he says, Jerry, you don't ever. And I noticed there's a change in his voice. And I looked at my father, and I could see his eyes were watery like he was in a cry. Don't. You ever try to hurt anyone like that again? 
And I seen that emotion in him. I said, yes, Dad, okay, Dad, I won't. And he stopped. You know, that created a bond between my father and myself because I could see how much he cared for me. He was taking care of me. So I learned from that. I'm pretty sure if he kicked me and swore at me and punched me, that would have taken inner peace away from me for quite a while until I dealt with it, because that's a pattern. So anyway, that's, that's where I grew up, and that's where then when I got punished for making a mistake as a child, and now I started to experience fear, shame, felt alone, insecure. All of a sudden, I'm not sure about myself. My value of myself started to go down when I'm in the school system. Because when I was not in the school system, when I go home, I revert back to Jerry, you know, the, the human being in a safe space, loved and taken care of. So I'm in two worlds now. Then after I become a teen, I was sent to residential school. Now it changed again. The fear is there, the shame, the feeling of being alone, even though in big dormitory seemed huge. Guys my age, a little older, a little younger. You know, and I started to see anger. In the eyes of adults, anger, real anger. Then see violence. They didn't use rulers. The reds, they had straps. The Indian day school, it was rulers, yardsticks and rulers, and compass dividers, wooden things to strap us with. Either that or slaps with the open hand. The res, it was a strap. You go see the dorm supervisor or the principal in the school for mistakes. And I was afraid there. It wasn't good. Make a mistake, it's public punishment. Strap you across the bottom. You know, so the shame on top of the pain was uh, these men were inner peace thieves. They were stealing my inner peace. You know, it was a lonely time, hungry time. You know, there were moments of laughter with my friends, and togetherness in that space play soccer, basketball, ping pong, started to learn how to play chess. And I started to read more so at that level. Started to read books. It's a good escape and running, because I do it running by myself, and it's an individual thing. Just running through the sagebrush in that country and the trails. They let us go off the grounds to go for a run at the residential school, and I ran. 
And it would bring me peace, but not inner peace. It would, because I'm away from the school now. And it was good for me. You know, I go back and I saw a re-entry. Like, wouldn't leave for that long. So that was uh, what happened, uh, part of the thievery of inner peace at the school, Therese. Then when I left, 18 years of age, then I, well, I started drinking at 13. I continued drinking at 19, but I'll start to have drugs. So now I'm living the experience of the thieves, the inner peace thieves. They're in my dreams. They're in my memories, my triggers. So, because I'm looking for inner peace and happiness and couldn't find it, I found it in the bottle and the drugs. Whenever you're doing that, you make poor decisions and I make mistakes. You know, and I, years later I see what it was. I was wounded in my mind, my body, and my spirit by these thieves, inner peace thieves. I've narrowed it down to that now. It's what I called them. Before it would be colonizers, government, white people, Christians. But I've narrowed it down to evil thieves. So I was impacted by Part of the thievery was racism. I'm inferior. There's something wrong with me because I'm indigenous. My language is wrong. My religion, our spiritual practice is wrong. Everything seems to be wrong about us. The created identity that was racist. The whole motivation was to get their resources on the land. The gold, where I'm from, lots of gold. The timber, the forests. Rather than negotiate or share it, they used racist methods by saying we're inferior and we're not civilized. So that look in the eye of arrogance and superiorness to me as a racist, the real racist. I've seen them, I've felt them, I've watched this experience and that robbed me of inner peace. To look at someone and they look at me like I'm nothing or with anger. I remember one of the times, the first time I've seen that, and that, what they call it microaggression now, they got titles for it. I'm thinking, what did I do to you? What did I do that you hate me so much? I don't even know you. That's my self-talk. That's how I'm talking. I said, you don't know me. How can you look at me like that? Because, you know, there looks of disgust or, you know, like I'm ugly. I don't know how to describe that look, but that's what it's like. The sad part is as victims, we internalize that. We swallow it and it impacts my life. I feel inferior in ways. I don't feel I measure up. I won't make it. There's nothing there for me. So that racism was a real thief, too. Then the other thing, that religion. 
I, you know, I, I place blame, but not the whole, it's not the whole system, it's individuals in the system. And I say, why, why they outlaw our language or ceremonies? You know, they're beautiful, our music. So in the name of saving us and civilizing us, each of our communities got priests and clergy, either Anglicans, you know, the Protestants or the Catholics. Some got um, Sa uh, Salvation Army, different Christian groups going into the communities to save the souls of the indigenous people. So unfortunate that they were unhealthy, many of them were unhealthy. Come to sexuality, they sexually abuse children. You know, so another thief. I get depressed. I remember when I was in residential school, going to mass every Sunday. So I have to, and it doesn't seem to be celebrating in any way. It seems sad and sort of drones on. That's the way I was experiencing it. I wasn't feeling uplifted. So that was a thief of my inner peace. Then there's the reservations, lands reserved for Indians, big time. It's like a jail. You don't rat out on people that break the law. It's okay to hurt people, to harm people. It's like a bunch of wild, I shouldn't even use the word wild, crazy people together in a system that was meant to punish the wrongdoer, isolation, and not let, you know, live in a jail cell. You know, the, that feeling of nothing's going to change. I think that exists in many reservations. There's poverty there. There's no resources to start a business. Most of the reserves small plots of land and they used to occupy mountains two or three mountains occupy and use berries food shelter medicines clothing everything come off the land then there's laws put in place about living under res so it became like a negative atmosphere. There were some communities unwell, depends on the leadership, because their hereditary leadership system was taken away and the hereditary leaders were trained since youngsters to be leaders. Now people get in with no training at all, responsible for the funding, you know, members of the community doesn't seem to be working in a lot of cases from what I see in here. And then, of course, there's a res school, which is, to me, is a, I heard the statement, and I agree, a breeding ground for dysfunction. A residential school. Big thief. Lonely, hungry, afraid turned off about education. There's so much around this in the public, I don't have to talk about it so much, but it, it definitely 
big responsibility for my taking my inner peace. Then there's uh, RCM police that add to this by enforcing racist laws and policies from the residential schools and the governments. You know, some of them were brutally racist, you know, violent, and we may come afraid of them that they could kill us. So individual RCMP officers also were thieves of inner peace. And uh, removal or the 60s scoop was also a big thief for people that were taken and also the families left behind. I've talked to 60 scoop survivors and had no idea where they're from because they took children and scattered them around North America, the United States, and Western Europe. People growing up with identity problems don't know who they are. Trying to make them the same as the household, but their skin is different, the coloring. You know, so I can understand the problems that must come from that. That hunger, who am I? Where am I from? Must have been strong in them. So that has taken inner peace too. In the latest one, these are all R's, as you can see, is reconciliation. When I first heard that, it was... Of course, I look up the word reconciliation. Reconcile means to mend a relationship that has been broken. And of course, I'd ask myself, what kind of relationship do I have with this country? Who broke the relationship? Who damaged the relationship? And I'd say, not me. So it's, to me, it's sort of like a pie in the sky. Because uh, the biggest event that happened with this process is creation of reserves. And we all had to be on there, so we, we don't have land and resources to start businesses, so it's poverty. So I say in reconciliation, you think about how much I have to give up in this talk about reconciling and repairing our relationship. Inside of myself, in a way, in a sense, I have to say it's okay that you took all that land where we used to fish spring salmon. You made a dam and it's no more spring salmon there. It's okay, we'll reconcile. Or all those trees you took, it's okay. You know, or to say it's okay that all the gold you took and we didn't get one penny from it. It's okay. We're going to reconcile. We'll repair this relationship. So I'd say people that talk to me, I said, that's what I have to give up. What do you have to give up as a, as a Canadian? So I lose inner peace. It's a good word. Re repair relationship definitely needs to happen. And indigenous people do that. Or they used to. That is a way of life before. Not so much now. Not to blame anybody. You know, you're raised one way, that's the way you grow up. Raised to be an individual rather than a group. That's how you grow up. That's how you live. I know the 36 million Canadians aren't going anywhere. 
and the one million, one million plus of us has no way to get them to live up to promises because we're a minority. So no way to me is going to be land back or compensation for stolen lands. That kind of reconciliation is not going to happen. So I say, what can happen? What kind of reconciliation can we do here? And I say, one-on-one, I can reconcile, I can form a relationship with a doctor, a nurse, a police person, you know, different people, professionals and citizens. We can work together. And I've been saying lately, you know, that there's a reason why we should do this, because all of the children are relying on us adults to do the right thing. I learned that from a health director, one of our communities. So those were the things that have been stealing my inner peace. You know, and I'm so glad I discovered a healing journey, which means I want to have wellness in my life. I want to have a sound mind, body, and spirit. So I entered a healing journey learned that healing is a road, it's not a destination. So I've been on this healing journey. First part of my healing was I achieved sobriety from alcohol and drugs. Once I'd done that, I started cleansing processes like juice fasting, running, you know, drinking different kinds of herbal teas, you know. (laughs) It's in the 60s when I started doing that, or in the 70s. Health food, nuts, the hippies and stuff, granola and peanut butter and that kind of stuff. You know, I started doing that, cleansing. Juice fasting with the intention to purify my body of negativity. Training, running, ceremony, meditation and ceremony and sweat lodges, cold water bathing. And all during that time of ceremony and ritual, the important part of this healing journey came to me was to forgive. Forgive the ones that hurt me and hurt my people. And uh, I was encouraged to do that, but I wouldn't. Why should I forgive anybody? I didn't do anything. Because I was looking at forgive as a Christian Way one of their ways is when somebody slaps you, you turn the other cheek. So I didn't want to forgive that way. But then I looked up the word, and it's an action, a verb, let go. Hey, I can do that. <laughs> and I, so I forgave the English for colonizing, the Roman Catholic Church for letting loose pedophiles in the system. You know, Christopher Columbus for coming over. Gee, I've done this work of forgiving, letting go. And still learning that and still in ways don't want to let go. And that's when that happens, I start to lose my inner peace. So this quest to be original, to be pure, because when I was a baby, I was pure. I knew joy, pure joy. I knew pure anger. Righteous anger, not toxic anger. I knew the importance of being part of a group, 
as a baby and a child. In that original state, oh, it was a good life. But once I became a victim, angry, afraid, depressed, I started to feel lost and no hope for Sahilthit. Feeling that our way of life is disappearing and it's going to be gone. Leaving me in a space of hopelessness. That's a big fear for me. The loss of our way of life. Our beautiful laws of respect, generosity, humility, and love. That we respect others by listening to them, by being part of their life, sincerely being with them when they're in front of us. Exchange ideas, thoughts, beliefs, be supportive. Can't think of a bigger form of respect than listening and being supportive of another human being. Support them. That way of being humble. Not putting yourself above people. Don't put yourself above people. You do that, you can hurt them. I think of that humility when we lose that. That's when we can turn on others. Same as when we lose respect. If we don't respect our, ourselves, how are we going to respect others? And, you know, we're starting to see that lack of respect for Mother Earth. And what Mother Earth does is react to, to disrespectful actions. So humility. Don't put yourself above people. Another law I'll mention is love, which is a commitment. You commit yourself to another individual. I'll be part of your life, I'll share, I'll help, I'll be supportive, I'll teach. Commit to that. And then good feelings happen between people when there's a sincere commitment, that's love. So I started to understand this, that I could achieve this, and that one of the things I needed was teachers and healers. The teachers were there, the elders that knew our way of life, that lived it, that I'd, I need to go spend time with them in a respectful manner. Oh, I got good teachings by going sitting with elders when I was 27 and playing cribbage with them drinking tea. I didn't even have to ask them for topics they were telling me, sharing stories, telling me how it used to be they were teaching me. I could see the respect I had for them. Then they became generous. Oh, just give, give, give. When they see I was insincere and wanting indigenous teachings, indigenous knowledge. Oh, it was so... Because uh, there'd be laughter and tears because we're ourselves when we're with each other. We're sincere when we're with each other. There's no game playing here with those elders that I went to for teachings, that were teachers. Not all elders are teachers or educators. 
Educate means, means to lead. Not everyone feels comfortable leading another to knowledge or the way of knowing how. So those teachers and healers are precious for our people. We need them to role model for us, to teach us, to lead us. So I had these wonderful teachers and they role modeled, they lived, they walked the talk. They were generous, they were kind, they were respectful. They were humble. And they loved me. I'd watch them in ceremony, you know, helping the people. Oh, so sincere, so 100% they believed in the medicine and the ways of our people. Never stopped. You know, I have friends that are like that. Nothing seems to stop them. One of my friends had a stroke and he's still there doing ceremony. You know, so that teaching as teachers started to show me inner peace that that's a goal and one of our methods of doing that was initiation they would take youngsters this was a requirement that says your indigenous this is the way life is they take them and at puberty, you know, they become young women and young men. They take them and isolate them, take away their food and water and their vision quest to see what they're going to do with their life, how they're to do it, how they're to live. And they get the reality check. Because I can have children now, I must become serious in ways. You know, be respectful. When I say serious, it's not like a glum thing all the time, you know. Oh, I've had so much laughter healing when we're getting together talking about addictions or about residential school and we're in our circles or in our ceremonies. Oh, people are rolling around laughing. We do that for each other, that medicine. We bring that medicine to each other of laughter. It's a wonderful way. <laughs> I'd learned, you know, because I do work and uh, listen and know and believe that joy gets rid of all the stress in your body. If you can have real joy or real laughter joy, it's just your body shakes and it's just releasing stress. You know, I've had those times. There's always someone that would remind us not to take things so seriously by saying something or doing something that just bring us to laughter. <laughs> One of the examples I have is um, I was visiting this community doing workshops and sessions. We're having an evening drum circle. Oh, wonderful music. Doom, 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 singing together. Burning medicine. And somebody mentioned, oh, there's going to be an election. So we pick one person. You run for chief. I don't know how. It doesn't matter. 
And we're, we keep building the story. People would say things, yeah, you get to be the chief, you know, and you'll, you'll be taking care of the money. I said, yeah, you get your cousin to be the band manager. And he says, my cousin doesn't know anything about band management. Doesn't matter, ask your cousin, you give him a job and pay him good. You know, <laughs> we're starting to laugh and telling him how to run, run his campaign. <laughs> told him, yeah, you make promises to the people and they'll elect you. But then you hire your friends and relatives. Take care of us. You can hire me to be the accountant. <laughs> I said, I don't know accounting, but because you're my friend, you can hire me. So we're doing all that silly stuff. And then the campaign, he's, one of them says, and you, you promise the people that if you vote me to be chief, you pay no more taxes. <laughs> We're all laughing because we don't pay taxes under res. Anyway, we were, at that moment, we're experiencing inner peace by laughing at ourselves and each other and our lot in life, not taking it so serious. So when I think of my teachers and healers, and I'd describe them. First thing I'd say, they're honorable. Oh, very dignified, proud, affectionate individuals. Affectionate, care and love for people. Refuse to hang their head. Look you in the eye. Respond to you if you say something negative to them in a dignified, proud manner. Honorable, always on the high road. Those ones, there's no doubt they had inner peace, that they had trained themselves, trained their mind. You know, you train your mind to be disciplined. So you don't be tempted. You don't say things without thinking to hurt people. It's all about the group and about Mother Earth. To live that way is a way to have inner peace. You could, I could tell they're real because they spoke the truth. I didn't have any doubts with these teachers and these elders and healers that I was so fortunate to have to be in their presence. I felt accepted. There was no doubt I didn't feel any doubt. I was taken in and taught and shared. They shared with me. They're generous with me. Kind, loving teachers. Genuine. Careful and sincere with their words. And if they made a mistake, apologize right away. Oh, I'm sorry. Because of that, I really had this respect for them. These teachers are elderly men and women that would take time of their life to talk to me, feed me, teach me. So that's what I was thinking of, that I want this inner peace and bring this message 
to create this awareness that we can do this, that we can be grounded, feel solid. And I've shared times I was grounded, you know, and it's becoming more frequent, I feel grounded. But it used to be so rare that when I would have one, it was like, oh, you know, like I tell that story about being grounded, digging clams and cockles at low tide with these West Coasters. Jerry, the table's set. We're going to have a feast. So I went with them and, holy cow, they're filling up their buckets. And they, once they finished, then they started eating. They're cracking together these shellfish and eating them, laughing and having a good time. They're watching me, watching them. And one of them says, try it, Jerry. I said, oh, okay. And gave me two cockles and I'm holding them and I crack them together and one cracks and I dig it out. And oh my gosh, it's moving. <laughs> so I squeeze it, stop moving, and I pop it in my mouth and I chew it up and I eat it. And I had probably six of them. And all of a sudden, I'm standing there on the beach, and I can see, hear, and feel the beauty of Mother Earth and the people and the ocean and the shellfish and everything around. And it just felt so good. I was grounded at that moment, connected, compassionate. Such a wonderful feeling. Brings out that awareness where I could see, hear, touch, feel, smell. That's what inner peace does. I had inner peace, you know. It's such a wonderful gift to have. And I realize I must work for it consistently. Be careful every day how I talk, what I do. I know I got a ways to go, you know, to be like some of my teachers. I get impatient. Times I don't believe, don't trust. And I think about my teachers, they trusted me, that I'm going to do what they're telling me. And if I don't, they'll correct me, and they're happy that I take the correction and don't pout and leave. You know, and I was thinking of this journey. First, I had to take a look at myself, you know, and be honest that I'm not a happy camper, that I don't think I'm a good person, I don't think I deserve, that I'm weak, there's something wrong with me. So I looked at myself, and that's what I was seeing. Once I saw it, and it's in my mind, and I'm aware of that, then I could start to see, to see what caused it, to see that there's a way out, start to move that way in life. And I started to meditate. And I would get visions. I get an image of what am I supposed to do, what I'm not doing. Started to use the ceremonies. What they're meant to do is to develop me. Started to want to grow strong in my mind, my body, my spirit. Started to do that. You know, that movement meant at times leaving my community, leaving my family, to go look for help for Sahilthit. Go to the ceremony, go to the water, go to the sweat lodge. Do those things that are good for me. Start to 
talk language of change, of growing stronger every day, letting go, free myself of negativity. Use the water to wash away negativity. Use the medicines, you know, that are in the earth for me. Big realization is that I'm made up of the earth. All the foods that I eat are nourished by the earth. If it's a deer, they live off the plants of the earth and the water from the earth. And I become part of that deer. My body becomes part of that deer, part of the salmon, the vegetables, the water. I'm of the earth. And if I'm careful and sincere, I can be strong, like the salmon, like the deer. So it's a looking at myself, my mind, my body, my spirit. Check it out. Look for the weakness and strengthen it up. Look for the medicine to strengthen it up. Find the medicine was my journey to inner peace. And I'm so glad I embraced that journey. Because it's 2024 now and I'm going to be 75. And I was looking at the stages from 0 to 25, what my life was then. A mixture of inner peace and a lot of nightmares, a lot of doubt, a lot of feeling crazy, no hope, hopeless, you know, it was not good. But, you know, there was a lot of goodness in there. I started to see ceremony, hear traditional music, know about medicines. But after I hit 25 and head, start to head towards 50, it seemed to pick up at a higher pace. Now I'm actually building a switch lodge. I'm picking medicine. I'm picking food, I'm growing food, I'm helping others, I'm helping myself. It's changed from 25 to 50. 50, before, just shortly before 50, I started running marathons. I started to take care of my body at another level. I'd been going to sweat lodges consistently. From 25 on, 27, till today. It's a consistent ceremony for me, smudge bowl, breathing in the medicine. The medicines help me with inner peace. If there's medicine for my body, the medicine comes from the earth. And there's medicine, and they say, that, I was told, there's medicine from the earth for every organ in our body. So when I breathe in the medicine, it's helping an organ in my body. It's helping my spirit. Then 50 on to till today, slow down. Most of my teachers left to the spirit world, started this work in a different way. There were still times of loneliness and um, what am I doing, doubt. But they didn't last as long, and I started to feel inner peace on a more frequent basis. You know, it became part of my life. And I'm glad, because when you look at the zero to the 25, it was hurting and suffering at times. It's impossible for it to be 24-7. There was tears in there and laughter and joy. Now I 
don't drink or do drugs or swear at people. Try to be like those elder teachers I was describing, honorable, dignified, proud, affectionate, speaking the truth, genuine, generous, sincere, respected. That's the goal for Sahilsit. Inner peace thieves, I believe they got their due somehow, somewhere. If not them, their family did, so I don't worry about that anymore. Don't want revenge, or even like what people would say is justice. But just accept that happened and let, and I, because of my belief system, there's nothing, I don't need to do anything because it'll be taken care of in this life or the next life. That's my belief. And it helps me with my inner peace. So 2024, you know, 2023, I started doing way more ceremonies. Uh, an elder, Chilcotin elder, reminded me during the year, he said, you know, we talk about ceremony, we talk about thanking for food, we talk about it. We don't do it. <laughs> so I made up my mind, I'm not going to, I'm going to talk about it, but I'm going to do it. So whenever I do a presentation, now there's a ceremony that will go along with that presentation. Even if it's a short one, there's going to be ceremony. It's going to be a ritual about helping ourselves and helping each other, respecting Mother Earth. So that's where I've come to now with my inner peace. Not so much talking about it, but doing it. So I'd encourage you to think about this inner peace. And as part of it, a lot of part of it took training, like me running every day when I could run was training me to be strong, to have a willpower, to sweat lodge, and cutting wood, you know, building the lodge, doing those things was part of it. Some people would say sacrifice. I say, no, it's payment for inner peace the inner peace is a beautiful place to be that beauty way of life so Sahilthit is going to look for people that have inner peace this year and talk to them and I imagine there'll be healers and people working on the land land based healing and maybe sports people I don't know it's going to be an adventure and I want to learn more about inner peace. I know, I know my inner peace, but maybe more about sharing with people how to achieve this. Because we all have our individual blocks. We're lost in different ways. My belief is that there's common ways to achieve this. And I think What's required is we find a way to communicate it to the people. Because communication, positive communication, develops positive relationships. And we all suffer and we all make mistakes. So let's work together for inner peace. There's enough hate in the world. Once you hate someone and express it, hate will come back to you. When you send out goodness, goodness comes back. So let's work at that this year, inner peace, and 
when we achieve that, other people will be peaceful around us. That's the hope, you know. <laughs> That's the mission. So I, I'm positive that that's going to happen, partly by necessity. Too much negativity, no. So I'd just like to thank you for coming to Teachings in the Air and invite you to come back when we the next episode of Inner Peace. They say, in my language, in I'm thanking you, my friends and relatives. In Statlium way, there's no pronouns. It's just thanking you. And you're either my friend or my relative. And that's good. Bye-bye.